you take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. Luke, chapter number 16. Thursday morning, I woke up with a burden upon my heart. And I haven't been able to get away from it. We had our staff retreat up in Lancaster last couple of days. Our staff, thank God for the staff of Calvary Baptist Church and Calvary Baptist School. Thank God for them. And uh, they are all overworked and underpaid. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to spend a little bit of time with them before the school year. And I told them yesterday that this is what I would preach on if God didn't change my mind, change my heart, and he hasn't. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, as I read Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they come also into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. What we read here this morning is not a parable. This is a story of something that actually transpired. Believe with all of my heart that God put it in his word for us to have a point of reference about a place called hell. Preachers have stopped preaching on hell because it's an unpopular subject. Many times people get turned off. They get disgusted with the concept of hell. But the Bible is very clear that hell is a real place. And in this story this morning, we read about a man that died in his sins and went to hell. And while he was there, he begged Lazarus to send go back to his family and to warn them, according to verse number 28, lest they also come into this place of torment. I want to preach this morning on this thought, and I ask you to pray for me uh, that God would use this message to speak to someone's heart. My message title this morning is, Please Don't Go to Hell. Please Don't Go to Hell. You can be seated. In the passage that we have just read, we find a story of a rich man and a poor man. The rich man died and went to hell. The poor man died and went to heaven or went to paradise. Let me say this morning that the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. And the poor man didn't go to paradise because he was poor. The rich man went to hell because he rejected Christ as his savior. The poor man went to heaven because he accepted Christ as his savior. It's just that simple. The Bible's clear there are rich people in heaven. There's gonna be poor people 
in hell. Your wealth and the status of your finances has nothing to do with whether or not you go to heaven or hell when you die. But in the story, the rich man had all that life could offer and yet he died, the Bible tells us, and went to hell. The poor man died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Bible tells us in verse number 23 that when the rich man died that in hell he lifted up his eyes. Let me begin this morning by saying that there's a lot of people that believe that the grave is hell, but that's not true. Uh, the Bible tells us there is a place called hell. And I wanna just give you, if I can this morning, three very simple points uh, as reasons why you don't have to go to hell. And those that go to hell will go to hell in spite of these things. First of all, if you go to hell this morning, you'll go to hell in spite of the persuasion of the scriptures. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 27. The rich man said, please, I pray thee that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, talking about Lazarus. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He said, I want you to send Lazarus back and beg my brothers, please don't go to hell. And please don't go to hell. And here's what Abraham said in verse 29. They have Moses and the prophets let them hear them. Of course, the rich man thought that there was uh, something more important than the word of God, like many people today. He thought a personal experience. He thought some exciting illustration could somehow, some way supersede uh, the authority of the word of God. And he said in verse 30, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. But notice what Abraham said in verse number 31. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. What was he saying? He was saying that they have the word of God. They have the scriptures that is persuasive enough to keep somebody from going to hell. Truth of the matter is many people today do not believe what the Bible says about hell. I was doing some research and I discovered that according to the pollster Barna, that 76% of Americans believe in heaven and only 71% believe that there is a place called hell. And only 32% believe that hell is an actual place of torment and suffering as we've just read in our Bible this morning. 40% believe that hell is a state of eternal separation from God's presence 64% of the people interviewed believe that they will go to heaven. When asked if they believed that they would go to hell, only 0.005% of those interviewed believe that they would actually be able to spend an eternity in a place described in the Bible as hell. Truth of the matter is, many people don't believe in hell. There are people standing behind the pulpits today, graduated from a Bible cemetery somewhere that does not believe in a literal hell. But the Bible is clear that hell is real. And as Abraham said in his conversation with this rich man, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, if you won't believe the persuasion of the scripture, you wouldn't believe this morning if somebody appeared to you from beyond the grave to tell you that hell was real. If you won't believe the Bible, if you won't believe the scripture, if you won't be persuaded from the word of God, nothing can be said or done this morning to change your mind. Abraham reminded the rich man in hell that his family had access to Moses and the prophets, the scrolls. They had the truth. They had the warnings. 
of the prophets. And if they didn't listen to that, then nothing would change their mind. Many times as a pastor, I feel helpless trying to convince somebody that I see going in the wrong path, wrong direction. I wish there was something that I could do. But the Bible's clear. If you won't believe the Bible, if you won't believe the Word of God, there's nothing people can say or do to change your mind. I'm begging you this morning, please don't go to hell because we have multiple passages of Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New, that tells us that hell is a real place. He referred to Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in the book of Numbers in chapter 16, the Bible tells us of a story where Korah and Dathan and Abiram rose up against the man of God. And they began to, uh, uh, to despise the man of God that he had put over them in the, space, in the place of leadership. And to make a long story short, Moses tried to argue, tried to reason with them, but they would not be reasoned with. And Moses basically said, I want everybody to just step back, get away from them. And he said, if I'm not God's man, uh, then they can die a regular death. But if, they're, if I'm God's man, I want God to do a new thing. I want God to do something that's never been done before. And in Numbers chapter 16 and verse number 31, it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all of these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods, they and all that appertained unto them went down alive into the pit, the Bible says, and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. Let me tell you something this morning. They didn't fall into a six foot grave, amen. Them and their houses and their families fell down into the pit. They dropped alive into hell in Numbers chapter number 16. Is everybody listening this morning? Hell's real. And these were, these were men of renown. These were chief princes in the congregation. In fact, at one point, Moses looked at, at, at Korah and said, I said, uh, do, you, do you despise? Do you look down on? Do you have a small, uh, a, a, such amount of respect for the fact that God lets you stand before the congregation and minister before the congregation that you would act like this? These men were chief men, men of renown, well-known men, men of great position, and yet they fell alive, dropped alive into hell in Numbers chapter 16. You get to the book of Psalms, you find the prophet David in Psalm 9, verse number 17 said, the wicked shall be turned into hell. I'm reading some of you to use just some of the verses that, that, that uh, this rich man's brothers had access to. Is everybody still with me? They had access to these verses, the ones I'm reading you. These were the verses that Abraham said they won't believe, though one rose from the dead. If they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe. David said in Psalm chapter nine, verse number 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter five, verse 14, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 31, 16, I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall when I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit. Multiple passages of scriptures. I'm only giving you a few of them. There are many, many more that we can look at this morning. In the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets that talked about the pit and talked about hell and talked about a place called hell. It's real. It's not just some concept 
that some independent Baptist preacher come up with to try to get people to the altar. Trust me when I tell you that it's a real place. You get over to the New Testament, Jesus preached on hell more than he did on heaven. Jesus did his best to warn people about a place called hell. In Matthew chapter number five and verse number 22, Jesus said, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28, Jesus said, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You ask yourself the question, how can these Christians in Afghanistan be willing to be tortured, be willing to be lined up and shot in the back of the head, be, be, be willing to be forced to kneel on their knees and while the Taliban take a knife and cut their throat like a goat at the market? How could they be willing to do that? Because somewhere somebody told them that they should fear God who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell rather than fearing man which can only destroy the body. In Mark chapter nine, verse number 43, Jesus said, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. For it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He said in verse 45 of Mark nine, and if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. In Mark chapter nine, verse number 47, he said, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. What am I saying? I'm saying this morning, please don't go to hell because you have the persuasion of the scriptures to tell you not to go beg you not to go. Number two, if you go to hell this morning, you'll go in spite of the petition of the suffering. When we read this story, we see this rich man died and in hell lifted up his eyes, verse number 23, being in torments and what he experienced in verses 24 and down is what motivated and prompted his prayer in verse number 27 where he said, I pray thee, I petition thee therefore that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. I thought about this this morning. I doubt that rich man did much praying during his life. But my guess is he's probably, he probably prayed more once he got to hell than he ever had while he was alive. And I had this terrible thought. By the way, you can't preach on hell and not just be overwhelmed with the terrible thoughts. It's a terrible place. It's a real place. But I wondered how many people sitting here this morning, you've got a family member that's already died and gone to hell. That's praying right now for you to listen to this message and get saved. Maybe you've had a grandparent that's already died. You say, I don't want to think about my grandparents being in hell. If they died without Christ, that's where they went, I'm sorry. Maybe a parent, maybe an aunt or an uncle, maybe a cousin, maybe a husband or a wife, maybe, and maybe a, a child that has already died, stay with me now, already died and gone to hell. And I imagine when they got there, their first thought was, oh God, please don't let my family come here. 
And they begin to do what this rich man did in this passage of scripture, praying and begging for a missionary, praying for a soul winner, praying for somebody to go warn their family, please don't go to hell. People in hell are praying that you won't go there. Every lost family member that you have that's already in hell is praying you don't go there. He didn't want anybody to come to this place of torments. The word torments and tormented is used multiple times in these verses. Trust me when I tell you, this is not the grave. This is not a story about a man that was put in a grave. This is a place called hell. It's a real place. He was tormented by the thirst in verse number 24. Put a, ask him to please put, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger, the tip, look at this, the tip of his finger. Don't dip his whole hand in it. Don't dip his whole finger in it. Just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. He was begging for just a drop of water tormented by the thirst. Tormented by the flames, verse 24, the flames of hell. Tormented by the memories in verse number 25. Abraham said, son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Could you imagine what it must be like to spend eternity in hell having to remember the times that you could have got saved and didn't? Remember the messages that you heard. Remember the offertory, the, the, the instrumental playing during the, offer, during the invitation. Remember the times that you could have left your seat and came and knelt at an altar and been saved. Remember the times that the soul winners begged you, the gospel tracts that was handed to you, the multiple opportunities that were given to you to be saved. You've got to remember that for the rest of eternity tormented by the realization in verse number 26 that there was no escape between us and you there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence what a statement boggles the mind that Abraham says there's a gulf there's a chasm fixed so that anybody that would come to you from over here cannot. What a, what, a, what a visual image. Why anybody would want to leave Abraham's bosom and go to hell. Unless maybe they think they can maybe trade places with a loved one. Maybe a parent seeing their child. Maybe a child seeing their parents or their grandparents or a family member and they think maybe I can bargain with God and let me trade places with them. And Abraham said there's a great goal fixed and those that would come over to there from here cannot and those that would try to come over here from over there cannot. And the realization that occurred to this rich man when he realized there was no escape from this place called hell, he was there. There was no chance of ever getting out. I beg you this morning, please don't go to hell. If you do, you'll go in spite of those that are there suffering, begging you not to come. Thirdly and lastly this morning, if you go to hell, you'll go in spite of the preparation of the Savior. Jesus did so much to prepare the way for you not to have to go to hell. And that word preparation and prepared stuck in my mind as I began to meditate on these, this thought of hell because hell was not prepared for you. Right. Listen right. to me carefully. God never intended for anybody to go to hell. Right. The Bible tells us in Matthew 25, 41, 
that the, the everlasting fire and hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. He didn't prepare it for you. But rather God prepared a lamb slain from the foundation of the world to die on an old rugged cross, a place called Calvary, and to take mine and your sin upon himself. And when he closed his eyes and bowed his head and gave up the ghost and said, it is finished, what he was saying was that sin's debt had been paid. And mine and your way to heaven had been prepared. And by faith, all we had to do was receive it and accept it. I thought about hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, but then Jesus in John 14 looked at his disciples and said, behold, I prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. He talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter number two that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Can I tell you something? God has prepared so much more for you. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Please don't go to hell. This morning I thought about who might be sitting in this service and I just allowed myself to not think about it. When God lays a message on my heart, I don't think about who's going to be here or not, who's not going to be here. I just preach what God's laid upon my heart. But I know it's been a while since I preached on hell. And in a room this size with as many people sitting in this service this morning, there's no question in my mind that there's somebody in here this morning that is lost and on their way to hell. And if you don't get saved before you die, you're going to split hell wide open and you're going to be spending eternity in a place of torment. I beg you this morning, please don't go to hell. Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to understand everything there is to know about the Bible. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior in 1976 as a four-year-old boy. At the age of four, sitting on the pew beside my parents during a revival service, the preacher began to preach, and the Holy Spirit of God came to me and pointed out to me that I was lost and in need of a Savior. And I didn't argue with God. I didn't debate God. I accepted by faith the fact that I was a sinner in need of salvation. And I found out that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin because I couldn't. Not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. There's no amount of good works, no amount of good deeds. There's no amount of church membership or baptism or giving to the church or taking soup to the shut-ins that will buy you a ticket to heaven. I'm telling you this morning, on the authority of the word of God, if you don't come to, the, to God through Jesus Christ, there is no other way. And by faith, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I bowed my head, I bowed my heart, acknowledged that I was a sinner, acknowledged I was going to hell, I acknowledged that I deserved to go to hell, but I didn't want to go to hell. And by faith, I reached out and took the gift of salvation, and I repented, and I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And he reached down, and he saved my soul as a four-year-old boy. And I'm so saved now, I can't hardly stand it. I'm saved and going to heaven, not because I deserve to, but because I did what the Bible says you have to do to be saved. And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I beg you, please don't go to hell. You don't know when you're gonna die. Car wrecks, we pass car wrecks every day. People getting sick, people getting COVID, people getting this and that, and they think they're gonna have a long time, and the next thing you know, they're in a hospital on a respirator. Your days are numbered. You don't know when you're gonna die. I beg you this morning, I beg you, I 
beg you, I plead with you, if I could bring somebody from hell this morning to stand in front of you with sulfur and brimstone and their hair on fire to tell you what I'm telling you, I'd do it. But if you won't believe the scriptures, nothing will work. I wonder this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder this morning, would there be one person